Are you in HR Department of One trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, my friends. Grab your coffee and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. I'm your host, Brenda Neckbottle, a 20-year human resource professional ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new best practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Welcome back to the Best Practices in Human Resource podcast. This show is all about helping you take the guesswork out of understanding the human resource side of business and working through this changing landscape. I'm Brenda, your host and a practicing HR consultant. I'm here to help you weed through that mass amount of information that's available out there and help take the stress of defining your best practices. This podcast really is for anybody who's in a position of managing or administering the human capital in your business. And there's a great deal to this industry, and having access to the information and the guidance is going to really help you achieve your goals time and time again. If you are a returning listener, thank you so very much for your continued support. I am extremely grateful that you continue to join me on this adventure week after week. And if this is your first time listening in, we've got another great show that's going to help you move your HR objectives forward. Now, what if you can get helpful information faster? So keep listening to this episode as I'm going to provide you with a variety of resources that are going to help you manage your company's HR function. Now, I remember when first starting out how challenging it was and when I used to surf the internet to know which website was providing accurate information on, it took a lot to figure out. And the internet was so completely different back then. And today, through experience and exposure, I've been able to spot the good content over the really heavily saturated and duller topics. And I'm in the people business, and that's really honestly challenging enough. There's so much when it comes to this landscape that in and of itself, just keeping up with it is a challenge. So my mission always is to work smarter and not harder, and to find and share the right resources because I know what it feels like to be in your shoes. So I'm going to provide you with a number of useful resources both in this episode and on the affiliates page of my website that lists the top companies I've worked with and I know through my relationships and experiences will provide solid solutions for your problems. Now I'm here to help you connect to these vendors, these people, and these services that certainly will ease the pressure of trying to cipher an overwhelming and underwhelming amount of data kind of depending on when you look. And this will help you again in your day-to-day practices. So in short, I'm going to load you up with a number of really great opportunities. So in today, in the studio, we've got Lola the Veteran Comfort Dog, who's uh, sleeping right now and will probably chime in at some point in time. We usually wind up having to edit her out. Um, we have also her lovely assistant champ, the lovable Wonder Dog. And um, we've got the windows open because it is so daggone nice outside. So you may hear a church bell. You might hear a seagull squeaking by. You probably even hear a boat in the marina. But <laughs> it's all right. The weather's nice and spring is here. So uh, most importantly, though, we are going to talk about today's hot topic, 
We're going to look at some employment law changes across the nation. Um, we've got a really awesome guest with us, John McCaskill, who's going to talk about practicing mindfulness in the workplace. I uh, have some announcements, some free resources, and we're going to go ahead and close the show with the quote of the episode. So something to keep in mind, that the information that is available in this podcast is really for informational purposes only, and not for the purpose of providing legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respect to any particular issue. If you do not have an employment attorney, you are welcome to reach out to me and I might be able to refer one through you to you through our affiliates program. So last week I started uh, jumping online and doing video answers on a website called Quora, which is really a question forum for people to go ahead and get some open source information um, from participants. <clears throat> and um, it was interesting this morning I actually uh, wrote an answer about um, what would happen if somebody in Texas could you could a company fire somebody for an arrest <clears throat> and it really got me thinking that um, with some of the changes that are, are coming across you know our landscape and our legal landscape across the country we've got more patchwork law being instilled and in, instated across the United States um, that I thought this was actually a really good time to talk about arrests and convictions this is one of those really weird topics um, it happens thankfully it doesn't happen every day um, but it does pop up in the workforce and um, I, yeah we've got some pretty interesting things to talk about it so so it was a great question that I posed and and so again the question that I answered on Quora was in Texas can somebody be fired for being arrested and well I can't speak to Texas specifically what I can speak to is the, is arrest and convictions in general um, so there's one thing to bear in mind. <clears throat> when we look at human resources and people say, is it legal to do this? Is it legal to do something like this? Is it legal, 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 right? There are things where we do have laws in place that say yes, no. And then there are other things where we have ambiguity and a lot of it. So when it comes to arrest and convictions, there's elements of both in there. So first off, <clears throat> Companies can do whatever they want, all right? And what I mean by that is that everybody has free will as an individual. Well, so do companies. And sometimes companies will do whatever they want without, one, researching the topic thoroughly, number two, rolling the dice and taking the risk, and number three, just doing something because they think that they're in the clear but not yet really recognize that they still are not so <clears throat> when I say companies can do whatever I want I'm really talking about every decision comes with some form of risk and you can do a lot of research around if you're up against like a potential EEO situation you you're gonna have to assess you're gonna have to research and you're gonna have to assess and then you're going to have to put um, like a risk evaluation as to whether or not you have the ability to move forward in a direction or not. Same thing goes with arrests and convictions. All right. Um, not all of those decisions are smart. I'm sorry, but they're not. So what happens if you have an individual that works for your company and has been arrested? And I've actually got some examples from the past that I can I, that I can share with you. So first off, what do you do? Well, you first off, you want to remember that in this country, we are innocent until we're proven guilty. And 
you know, we're human beings, so we make decisions very quickly. We're quick to judge. We're quick to criticize. It's how we are wired as human beings. We're not trusting individuals naturally, and our language gravitates, honestly, more and very quickly towards the negative rather than the positive, right? That's our self-defense mechanism that's coming out. So if you have an employee that comes to work and has informed you that they were arrested within a reasonable amount of time, you're really going to want to sit down and you want to get details. And I'm not talking about like details um, of the crime itself or the supposed crime. What you want to do is you want to find out, okay, so what are you being charged with? <clears throat> What are your, you know, do you, are you placed on restrictions? So if the person is required to drive, um, have they had their license yanked? So for instance, if somebody comes into your office and says, well, I got arrested for DUI over the weekend. Well, is the person required to drive as a, a part of their job? So years ago when I worked for a, a car dealership, we had a gentleman that uh, even though it was clearly stated in our our information distribution that we had out there that if anybody were to get arrested um, for anything where their license was revoked or rescinded or, or anything like that or suspended we needed to know whether it was an arrest or it was just violations or whatever well that person hid that information for about four months and it was discovered because the insurance company actually ran um, in preparation for uh, the renewal the, on the policy that this person's license had been suspended because of a DUI. Well, that created a lot of heartache. <laughs> created heartache for the employee. Cre it created a coronary for us because we realized that that person had been driving not company cars, or, well, it was, was driving company assets around, but was also driving uh, customer assets as well, customer vehicles around without a legal license. And so that's a big no-no. Um, and so inevitably what happened, <clears throat> uh, the company went ahead and put him in a temporary position, uh, some work that he could do, and gave him a rate in order to do that because the compensation structure was different. And um, we you know waited until he had his day in court. And it turned out that um, he was not able to get his license back for a certain period of time. We went ahead and kept him in the position. And then when all was said and done, he got his license back and he was reinstated back to his regular position. So um, pretty easy kind of situation. We had hoped that the employee would have talked to us about that prior to us discovering it. Um, you know, I wasn't part of the conversation in the background, but was there a discussion around termination? I'm sure the question was brought up, you know, should we terminate this person? Um, the good news is, is that this is something that has occurred on multiple occasions in uh, several different of the company's locations. So we had uh, precedents that we could follow which made it a lot simpler um, because it was it was an easier it was an easy cut and dry situation but not all of those situations are cut and dry um, on my very first day as an HR sprout my very first day I walked in and learned that one of my co-workers had gotten into a very severe accident uh, killing two individuals and unfortunately, um, as a result, he was actually um, held in custody, and it was a very big mess. <clears throat> so um, because of the circumstances involving uh, the accident, um, he actually has not ever been released. He was uh, tried and convicted, 
and then um, after after the court case, after the uh, sentencing was done, and the conviction was laid, um, it was very apparent that he was not going to be able to return to work. So the company, throughout that whole time, actually put him on a leave of absence. And then um, what the company did is, once the conviction uh, was brought down, excuse me, once the sentencing was brought down, <clears throat> uh, made the determination that the employee could not return uh, to work at that time and went ahead and separated employment. So. That was a very complicated situation. Um, <clears throat> another situation that I can share with you, um, I got a phone call from an acquaintance of mine who said, I want to bounce something off of you. I was like, sure. And it was car industry too. So uh, employee, good employee, um, had not shown up for work on a scheduled shift, no call, no show, went four days without any communication to the employer. So naturally the employer thought, mm, job abandonment, right? So they went ahead and released the employee because the policy was three days, no call, no show, which was what we consider job abandonment. <clears throat> the, the employee actually showed up a day after. So on day five, what would have been day five, the employee shows up, goes to clock in, can't clock in, goes over, starts working, figures, you know, I'll just send a request to have my time card updated. And people are looking at him like, dude, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm working. Why? And he said, um, you might want to go talk to the manager. And uh, turned out he was a little surprised that he was terminated and not as equally surprised as uh, the management staff saying, um, <laughs> how did we get here? How did we get to this? You, you disappeared for four days. Well, here's the scenario. He was dating a young lady who was 17 years old. He was barely 20 himself who was faced uh, was in a very abusive home and um, he it really severely abusive so his n instinct to protect her was to take her out of the state drive out to Las Vegas get married and then return <clears throat> with his new bride in his protective custody as an adult well the problem with that was is that he took a minor across state lines and uh, although somehow I don't know what the laws are in Las Vegas for getting married at the age of 17 they were able to do it and they were legally wed um, <clears throat> he comes back to work and he doesn't have a job and so um, the, the the call that I had received was what do you think about this and I said well first off I said whatever his legal issues are it has nothing to do with his position it didn't impact his position in the role that he fulfilled this was something that was outside of the personal realm and you know whatever he did you know it's not for me to judge as to what his actions were but the facts are is that you know he didn't notify you guys for four days um, you know his legal problems now really have nothing to do with the type of work that he does or with the company so are you you know are you well within your rights to separate him sure you know I don't see why not and it was again a really you know, kind of an easy cut and dry, and it turned out that the HR department did actually agree with that as well. So we were all in consensus on this. So really what you need to do is that you need to evaluate what is going on with the circumstances. So if you have an employee that is out, they haven't been remanded into custody, or they're not sitting in a cell waiting for their trial to begin, 
then based off of the information that you have available to you, you're going to have to make a, a determination as to whether this individual can remain at work and whether or not your workplace is going to be safe. Um, you know, the DOI thing tends to be a pretty, you know, simple type of event, but, you know, if you're dealing with somebody who's being charged with, um, you know, possession of some kind or any type of violent situation or you know, even worse, um, anything that's related to some sort of assault battery that involves sex or, you know, God forbid, children. And those are some pretty complex situations. And that's not even something that I can address. Um, that would have to be something that you would need to certainly discuss with your employment attorney and figure out a legal strategy as to what you can and can't do. Um, <clears throat> you know, if the employee is, um, you know, remanded into custody, the simplistic thing to do is put them on a you know administrative leave of absence which means that the company is the, you know the one placing the individual on leave until they have their day in court and then you know the determination is made as to whether or not they can return or not and again that's also something that you definitely want to talk to with your with your employment attorney on uh, but those are some things that you actually can do. And in addition to that, if somebody's out, um, you can go ahead and give them the option to utilize their PTO so, you know, they have some form of income coming in until that runs out. Um, but, you know, you can put them on an unpaid leave for sure. So some of the things that you definitely want to be very careful about. So first off, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at different environments here, right? <laughs> so you're, as a business, especially if you're a brick and mortar, um, or one that has high, that's a lot of visibility, then you kind of have to do a little image management there. But um, you're certainly going to want to be very mindful of the rumor mill, both internally and externally. Um, when the first day I mentioned earlier when I was in HR Sprout, um, one of the things that our company had uh, talked to the employees about was you need to be very mindful of these conversations out on the, on the floor and we're actually going to ask that you refrain from doing so because this just doesn't impact our employee and the families of those involved. These are individuals that are well known in the community and a lot of people know them. So we want to make sure that we're not having inappropriate conversations out on the sales floor. And you know what? what was really great every employee actually complied everybody stood up to the stepped up to the plate on that one and nobody bath, bad mouthed this individual um, openly now what they do on their own personal time is one thing but it did not take place in uh, the actual uh, location itself which was really impressive be careful of external influences especially in small towns so we talk about the rumor mill um, be very careful about external influences. And what I mean by that is somebody knows somebody and everybody knows everyone. Um, a couple years ago I had a situation where we had an employee that um, was supposedly uh, questioned for some form of drug suspicion. And the individual who worked in the county sheriff's office who was not part of the, who was not a law enforcement officer um, actually kind of made it her personal vendetta against this individual which after talking to the employee learned that there really is no connection between the two of them and this is a small small town and uh, word started spreading around about the uh, validity of what was going on in addition to that the reputation of our employee and uh, turned out that the employee actually was uh, seeking legal guidance to figure out 
what he could do to prevent her from continuing saying things that she was not supposed to have access to and actually did. So, you know, some of this stuff can get a little damaging and, and you really you really don't know exactly what the truth is, but I can promise you that there are two sides to every story and the truth lies somewhere in the middle. So uh, definitely be mindful of that. Also, uh, safest route is also refrain from doing knee-jerk reactions. So, you know, the good news is that when you're dealing with a situation like this, you really do have time on your side. So you can hit the pause button. You can take a day to think through things. You can spend the quality time that you need to having your right conversations, you know, talking to your employment attorneys, things like that. So um, knee-jerk reactions don't do you any good here. Um, make sure that you're considering the well-being of the employee and what can be done or not be done as well. So, you know, if this is a situation where, um, you know, if there are friends involved, if there's family members involved, in other words, meaning that some companies hire really close personal friends and they hire relatives, they hire spouses, and there's some sort of, you know, legal dispute that's going on and it results in criminal, uh, criminal, um, not conviction, uh, criminal charges uh, pending on the employee, then, you know, you have to really take into account everybody's welfare. And not that it's just a big pain in the butt for you to have to deal with, because these things can be, um, which is sometimes where employers go. But you got to take, you got to think of everybody's safety involved, too. Something you also have to be very, very careful of is the individuals. We talked about the welfare of everybody. We also talked about the individuals. Well, we got to make sure that, um, you know, if there is an agenda that somebody doesn't want an individual working in the company. So let's say, for example, you've got a guy that gets into an altercation with his wife and other men in the company have a problem with that. They, they, they would never hit their wives, they would never consider it, but they don't know all the facts and there's a lot of conjecture that's going on and a lot of pressure is now being applied. It makes it even worse if it's the individual's manager that's applying pressure and that means that your company could be moving very close to the edge of jumping off on the constructive discharge um, arena, which means that the employee has to quit because um, they're, they're no longer comfortable coming to work. I mean, we're not here to be judge and jury, like I stated earlier, but you definitely want to be careful of that. In addition to that, you know, you also want to make sure that, you know, if this employee has done something internally as well or does something internally, once you know that there's an arrest and they're waiting for their day in court or they have a conviction, you also want to make sure that if you separate from this individual that you're not doing it um, for the wrong reasons and that you are being mindful of wrongful termination um, that is also a risk as well so when when you have an individual that is going through an arrest or has been convicted emotions do tend to run very very high okay so you want to be very careful about that and um, again if it's a really super vile ac you know accusation and one um, to where the individual is not remanded into custody until their their you know their day in court. You know again these things do hurt hit, hit the nerves. Hits your nerves as an as a supervisor. Hits your nerves as an entrepreneur, business owner. Hits other people's nerves and values. And uh, that's where you're really going to have to sit down and have those conversations with the employment attorney to figure out okay what is our best course of action and and is this something that you know we're going to be able to continue to to do and how do you get through it and like I said they're not cut and dry for the most part and um, you know having that kind of conversation and that mindset is definitely something that you want to make sure that you're paying close attention to. 
Okay, now let's take a look and see what is going on in the nation as opposed in regards to employment laws. So for uh, the for the whole U.S., um, we've been keeping an eye on the EEO one. Um, just saw an update that the EEOC is going to be collecting both 2017 and 2018 pay data by September 30th. And we've been watching this. We know that the pay data requirements. Um, were recently announced, announced that the EEOC was going to be collecting that data by September 30th, but for those of you who did not know, it is actually going to be for both 2000, <laughs> ooh, can't even say it, both 2017 and 2018. Um, over in Connecticut, uh, the state has issued no guidance on pregnancy accommodations, so you definitely want to keep a, an eye open for that. Over in Tennessee, this is really interesting. Tennessee has decided to extend anti-bullying policy protection to private employers as well as expanding potential immunity to emotionally emotional distress claims also again in the private side. So that is very interesting. Over in Washington State, Washington has jumped on the bandwagon of uh, banding pay history inquiries and over in Wisconsin Oddly enough, we were talking about the hot topic today. They have made the determination that some criminal convictions may not necessarily be substantially related to the job. So perfect timing to having that conversation. And we do have some poster updates. So um, let's see here. Uh, Michigan, Kentucky, Indiana, Florida, California, Maine, Rhode Island, Vermont, Nevada, Massachusetts, New York, San Francisco, New Jersey, and Westchester County, New York, as well as Bernalillo, New Mexico, you folks have poster changes. So if you need to order posters, you are welcome to uh, jump on our bestpractices.org website, click on the Affiliates tab, and get your posters from our Labor Law Compliance Center friends out there. I am very excited to welcome to the show John McCaskill. John is a graduate of the United States Naval Academy, and over his years in the Navy, he has dealt with physical pain, anxiety, and depression. He's gone down several paths to help, but was introduced to mindfulness drills and meditation in June of last year. Since then, by doing these as part of his daily routine, he has experienced greater relief than through any other process or medicine and is now a believer, a practitioner, and a teacher of mindfulness and meditation. Folks, please help me welcome John McCaskill. Okay, folks, I am really excited to have this next guest here. Um, it, we've been planning this for a little while, and unfortunately, we've had schedule interrupt us a few times, but I am thrilled to have John McCaskill on with us today. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Brenda. I'm excited to Absolutely. <clears throat> I am sitting here watching this weather come in. I got my hot coffee and ready for a really great conversation. So I'm looking forward to it. So, I'm sitting here on my love seat. Uh, just had, I just had my eight week old little boy in my arms a second ago, but I handed him off uh, to do the podcast. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. That is just awesome. Yeah. He's a real cutie too. That's fantastic. So here we are bringing mindfulness to the workplace. And I thought this was a really great concept. Um, can you take a minute and just kind of elaborate for everybody what that is to you, what that means to you? Sure. Yeah. If I 
yeah, can I just back up a little bit and just uh, kind of explain how uh -huh. I even got into it? So absolutely um, <clears throat> through dealing with a little bit of stress, anxiety and depression myself, uh, I've been exposed to multiple um, treatments and I met with a counselor a, a way back, about maybe eight or nine months back, and he recommended that I try meditation and mindfulness. And I've, I've heard of meditation, uh, you know, and I think everybody's heard of meditation, but mindfulness, uh, I think, is starting to gain traction, but I had not heard of that at that time. So I looked into it and uh, kind of, you know, figured out what that was. And for those who don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of being in the moment. So not worrying about the past, dwelling about what could have been, should have mm -hmm. been, or thinking too hard about the future, you know, what, what should be, because we can't affect either one of those. Um, and we can kind of affect the future by planning, but not by stress, right. not by worrying about it. Right. Right. And we definitely can't do anything about the past. So mindfulness is being very aware of the present and, and being very intentional about that awareness. So focusing on the sensations that you're feeling throughout your body, the sights, sounds, uh, tastes, everything that you're experiencing. Um, and what, you know, I, I want to see that come to the workplace because there's a thing called mindfulness-based stress reduction. Mm. I think in today's day and age, um, where we are all living such fast-paced lives, we're constantly connected, we don't just stop and do the proverbial smelling of the flowers, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and with that constant racing through life, we're, one, we're missing out on a lot. And then two, we're completely stressed out or depressed. So that's uh, that's kind of what that means to me is I want to I want to be able to bring that long term. I want to be able to bring that to high performing individuals and organizations because that's where a lot of the stress is. And then have on the side, I would love to be able to bring that to our youth because I think kind of nip in the bud early in life, uh, providing the tools before people get overly stressed or depressed and giving mm -hmm. them that tool to come back to you. I think that's an important piece. So, yeah, I, you know, I totally agree with you. I mean, I've watched, I mean, I can only speak for myself on this one, but I've watched over, you know, my, the number of years that I've just been working, just working as an employee. I mean, when I was growing up, there was such a thing as that there is an end of the workday. And, you know, yeah. my father was a CEO and his way of ending the workday was coming home, lying on the couch and just literally zoning out in front of the television. But um, but there's always an end of the workday now with technology involved. I mean, everybody's got a cell phone on them at some point in time. If they're not if they're holding it at hands, it's wrapped around their watch, uh, you know, wrapped around the wrist or you know, they got earbuds in. And so, you know, the mind can only take so much data coming at it before it starts blanking stuff out. And then eventually it blanks out important stuff. And I've right. even experienced that too. So I think what you're, I think what you're presenting is really important. In addition to that, with all of that hyperstimulation of the mind, I don't think people are realizing that our levels of anxiety are starting to increase and, um, and that stress level goes up. So being able to find tools to bring you back to the present and bring you back to the now, um, I think is super critical. Otherwise, we fall into this trap of where you're starting to anticipate everything. <laughs> and right. your, your exactly. brain is not designed for that. 
Yeah, I mean, our, our brain can only do so much in a day. I mean, it, we're designed that the brain burns calories, right? And we're designed to only burn so many. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, we, we get decision fatigue. Um, our, our attention is completely scattered. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think today's day and age is one of the most stressful times mm-hmm. to, to be to be alive, even though it's one of the best times to be alive. I mean, we're as a as a society, I think we're, we're doing better than we've ever done. But I think um, we are constantly connected, just like you mentioned. There's no end of the workday. Uh, uh-uh. And and. and uh, that that is really what burned us out. And, and it's not just affecting us as individuals, but it's also affecting us as families, right? I mean, you come mm-hmm. home, like you mentioned, your dad would zone out in front of the TV. But, you know, zoning out in front of the TV is one thing that's that's kind of decompressing. But you're coming home, you've got your phone on you in your hand, and you're responding to your boss at, you know, 8.30 at night when you should be, or not should be, I don't, I don't like to use the word should, but where you could be, interacting with your spouse or your kids or if you know if you're if you're a single person doing something that's enjoying in, enjoyable right. to yourself so yeah yeah exactly one of the things that I do to de-stress is and I I had a little business years ago I wound up closing it down um to pursue some other interests but I actually designed jewelry and I have about 12, t- 12 of these huge tubs down in my basement that's loaded with, you know, the stones and, and everything to do it. And just even a few weeks ago, um, I was feeling the pressure of, you know, working, what, 21 days without a break. And as an entrepreneur, you know, you get after it. But right. And I just went, oh, my gosh, I have to go make jewelry. <laughs> It's just like I have to just go stop thinking linearly and start just doing something that gets creative. So now I have this pair of earrings that everybody wants me to make for them. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't do that, guys. But but it also – but in doing stuff like that, and, and, and I know you'll talk about it. But, you know, when when we because when we work, we think linearly all the time. I mean, even though we get creative with our jobs. Right. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm actually talking about the utilization on one half of your brain when you do something and you disconnect from using that linear side of your brain and go do something extracurricular that doesn't require the, the use of that. Like in my case, it's it's jewelry, it's art, it's. You know, it could be music. Sometimes it's just getting out and walking around. When you do something, you activate the other side of your brain, which provides some balance. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you brought that, that piece up because um, so physiologically, the brain can actually be changed in, in mm-hmm. practicing meditation and mindfulness. And I'll get to that here in a second. But you, you touched on, you know, uh, uh, tapping into the other side of the brain mm-hmm. and meditation and mindfulness it, it can make you or, uh, more creative more productive and one of the things I hear from people all the time is hey hey my day is busy enough as it is I don't have time to meditate I don't have time to be mindful well doing so doing you know 10 15 minute meditation in the morning or longer uh, I like to think you do up to you know 45 minutes and when I tell people that they're like that's insane there's no way I have time for that <laughs> but but it actually makes you more creative and more productive you pay better attention through the day so in a sense 
you've got this eight hour workday. I like to, <laughs> I like to think that's what we've got. Really, we, <laughs> we talked about no end of the workday, but let's right. say you're at you're at work for eight nine hours. Well, in that eight or nine hours, you can actually get more accomplished mm-hmm. if, throughout the day if you've practiced some type of meditation in the morning to kind of get you ready for the day, and if you do a few mindfulness breaks through the day kind of focusing and people like, okay, well, how do you do mindfulness at work? And that's kind of the whole topic that we're discussing. Uh, So you can take mindful breaks, even if it's like five minutes where you just kind of stop, take some deep breaths, maybe get up, walk around and just notice the sensations. You know, you're not walking around to go and meet with somebody and collaborate on what's going on at work, but you're just walking around and being present in the here and now again. Um, and again, that that kind of resets your brain and it gets you ready to tackle the next task at hand. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe maybe that's another way to do it for people is is um, taking each task and then in between accomplishing tasks, taking a two, three minute break just to take some deep breaths, kind of reset and get ready for the next one. But it, it makes you more productive, more creative, more efficient, more effective. So, right. Um, yeah. And then, um, and then, as far as the physiological changes to the brain, um, it's it's been shown that it it shrinks the size of the amygdala, which is our kind of flight or fight uh, mm-hmm. portion of our brain. So, and then it, it thickens the lining of the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that's uh, a, kind of associated with more cognitive response, cognitive reasoning. So. That's kind of why you become more effective, more efficient, it, and and uh, it, with that shrinking of that flight or fight response part, the amygdala, um, we the decisions we make are more pragmatic. Uh, I think you're going to be a more effective employee at work. Yeah. It's been shown that you. It's been shown that you are. I mean, they've done studies with high-performing individuals. Uh, you know, special operations, firefighters, surgeons, a lot of these people mm-hmm. who are in very high stress situations. And by practicing meditation and mindfulness, they're actually better able to perform their jobs. So here's a question for you. And I don't know if you know the answer to this. <clears throat> have you, in, in the work that you're doing in this area, have you found evidence that connects um individuals of those classifications that you just got done talking about, special operators, uh, CEOs, uh, surgeons, you know, individuals where the amount of energy that the brain is required to produce on a consistent, regular, long-term basis, has there any any connectivity that you found to taking care of your brain and, and seeing a reduction in risk to things like dementia or Alzheimer's? Have you seen any of that? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I have not personally seen that, but there are absolutely studies uh, where, you know, talking about reduction in stress in the brain, mindfulness and meditation has been, in, in fact, shown to reduce memory loss, decrease the effects of Alzheimer's, increase attention, processing, executive functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I don't know the numbers offhand, but it's it's definitely scientifically been proven to um, help with mental health, brain health, long term. Mm-hmm. So you know, as as we go through our age, uh, our our years in life, and we age, um, it definitely helps to keep the brain uh, 
one, it, it helps to defend the brain, but two, it also mm-hmm. makes you more able to learn new stuff, like the neuroplasticity <clears throat> that mm-hmm. you have when you're very young, where you're able to maintain that neuroplasticity uh, or improve it by practicing meditation and mindfulness. Yeah, the reason I'm asking that question is my father, my, my dad's been retired now for a while, and he's... He's 30 years older than I am, which I'm about ready to reveal my age. <laughs> so he's 77, and um, he is he can't he can't function by himself anymore. He's he's got a he's got a severe case of dementia, which actually started about five years ago, maybe actually maybe about six seven years ago. We noticed that he was struggling with his memory towards his late 60s. And then he developed sepsis from a trip that he took in India, and we almost lost him. So sepsis increased the memory loss that comes with it. So for him, you know, like I said, he was a CEO. So he was an executive for 23 years of a hospital, and he turned this small little hospital in Pennsylvania into a into a fairly large um, hospital, one of the largest in the tri-state area between um, Ohio, New York, and Pennsylvania. So um, excellent facility. And a lot of where they are today was doing part of all the efforts that he did. So he was, you know, back in the 80s and the 70s, he was gone 70 hours out of the week, you know, which is a lot for back then. Here it's like, whatever, you know. (laughs) But the thing is, is that he is the second executive that has sat in that chair. His predecessor, um, or excuse me, his successor actually wound up with the same kind of situation. So again, very high stress, high posing, high functioning positions. I think now that we've seen it over time, just in general, you know, they're at risk for this type of thing. And I'll be honest with you, my dad sits in front of the television every day. He wears, I was informed that the best Christmas present that I ever bought that household was wireless headphones because he just blurts out whatever he blurts out. But (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he sits there and he watches this. He, he'll watch the news and every broadcast to him is brand new. And he'll sit there for eight hours watching what he thinks is new news hour oh. after after hour. And so, um, yeah, so, you know, I've I've seen that degradation personally. And, you know, I even trying to convey that to some of my clients. It's like you've got to break in the day. And I know you're busy. I am too. And mm-hmm. I force myself to stop. It's like when I'm starting to get that feeling, I, I, I hit a wall, I stop because I know. Yeah. We'll see. And, and the fact that you're able to stop, the fact that you're doing that, that, that in and of it is being mindful. You're mindful of where you are stress wise. Mm-hmm. So many people are not, and they continue to push through that wall and they don't even realize that they're through it. And once they're on the other, other side of that, their stress level just skyrockets. And also their their productivity will decrease. You know, and I know this this whole episode is on mindfulness at work, but it, mm-hmm. it, we're we're also talking about just what mindfulness in general can do to the product productivity of the worker. So right. if you if you're not mindful about taking that break when you hit that wall, you're gonna your productivity is gonna go down significantly. There's there's been proof uh, studies that prove that if you do in fact end the workday at you know at the end when you walk out that you are more productive the next day it's, it's called mm-hmm. attention restorative therapy mm-hmm. uh, or attention restoration therapy ART art and people who put their phones down 
you know, enjoy the time off. When they come back, they're more productive the next day. And, you know, that just feeds throughout the week. So mm-hmm. if, if, you're, if you're working the standard 40-hour work week, when, <clears throat> when you go home and you're completely decompressing and, and then coming back recharged, your eight hours cumulatively through the week, 40 hours, is going to be way more productive than your counterpart who is working 40 hours in the office, but then another 40 hours outside the office when they go home and uh, they're, they're focusing on work. They'll, they may end up totally cumulatively through the week working 80 hours, but actually accomplishing about the same or less than you are in 40. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's pretty wild how quickly you reach that point of diminishing returns. And once you, once you reach that point, how quickly it drops off. So, yeah, so as, a, as an HR professional, if you don't mind me asking you, you a question. Yeah. What, like, have you seen um, bosses or HR trying to bring in uh, mindfulness or meditation or anything that would help with mental health uh, in, in, your, uh, in your experience? So it, I have, and um, I started to see it, um, you know, human resources kind of gone through this unique change over the years, and it's a very slow moving change. And, and like in the early 2000s, we really got away from being just a personnel office to, you know, where we just file the paperwork to really being more advocates of the workplace and finding that magic balance and doing what's in the best interest of employees and doing what's in the best interest of the employer. Um, and as a result of that, there's been a lot of exploration as to what can we do to make the workplace um, not more accommodating, but, uh, uh, you know, appealing so that it drives levels of engagement up. And this is certainly one area where companies have done this. And one of the first largest case studies of that actually started with Google um, as far as, you know, what I was able to track. And this was the time period, again, early in the early 2000s where companies were really becoming more progressive in their HR approach. And so, like, Google introduced the nap pod, <laughs> you know, yeah. and... Right. And they had, um, excuse me, and they had, you know, the cleaners were there and the pet care was there and the child care was there. And then they had free food for all their employees. So, you know, and the whole purpose behind that. And then they also brought in, you know, a day where you could just, you know, do whatever you wanted to work wise. You know, they right. they wanted to tap. Yes. They yeah. wanted to tap into everybody's creativity because they understood that you know, success comes from that process of discovery, right? So, you know, they had decompression rooms. They had all sorts of, you know, different types of, you know, intramural activities, you know, between gardening and cooking. I mean, any type of activity you could possibly get through. But what also started to happen was some companies were taking that to another extent. And when I go to the SHRM conventions, there's always one session that you can sit on at least one session where it talks about the legalities of knowing too much around an employee's information and matter of fact i I had put a post this morning up on instagram based off of a uh, a court case from a physician's office that actually has gained too much information and made a decision so i don't want to get off track from that but companies also need to be mindful that if they are doing things like this and if they are wanting to put things in place where employees can get away and take a break, 
it's there's a couple things that have to happen. Number one, it has to it has to support you know obviously the direction of the of the company. And when you have you know less stressed employees, you know what you could probably quantify how that impacts you know your finances. The other piece is, is that you know, they have to be activities in which the employee is not required to release or you know expel or provide any type of personal information surrounding medical conditions, protected, you know, disabilities and things like that. You want to really stay far away from that stuff sure. because you just open yourself. I mean, an employer has no legal right to know what a physical condition of an employee is. And, and that goes very true with um, veterans, you know, in, in your community, you know, it, you know, there's a propensity for traumatic brain injury and, um, and that's not just it's an isolated community that's within the whole military career community. I'm talking about right, veteran community. Right. And so, um, you know, when, when we're looking at that, you know, employers, although they want to be sensitive to it, there are boundaries that, that just simply can't be crossed. But I've had clients, to be honest with you, that I've got one in Richmond I really enjoyed, you know, talking to. And, you know, they, you walk in and they've got this, their whole meeting area, um, which includes a really nice break room, has a ping pong table, <clears throat> it's got a dartboard, it's got a table with, you know, scrapbooking stuff, and nice. they actually encourage their employees to go take lunch, <laughs> and nice. that's a big yeah. one. Get away. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's just a, that, that right there, that in and of itself is an example, and how yeah. many people that we know do work through lunch? And, yes, and they're, a and, lot. And, the the little saying that in in our community is hey <laughs> you want to work through lunch and get off early but what happens is you work through lunch and you get off hungry and, yes uh, and, and and with that one you haven't taken a break um, so you're you're again more stressed and two you yeah. haven't eaten so now now it's like a double negative whammy right yeah uh, you, that's why your end of the day is going to be so much less effective than. And yeah. if you had stopped taking that one hour yes. break for lunch, got some food, got some fuel, recharged, broke away from your work for an hour and then, yes. and then reset. So, yes, yeah. I totally agree. It, you know, even myself, I do this. I still hold to those same things that I, I did, you know, I, I own my own business. I have my own practice. Um, you know, I wake up, you know, five o'clock in the morning, I'm, you know, on email, getting after it, dealing with client, you know, concerns and questions. But it is not uncommon that somewhere between two and four o'clock in the afternoon, I stop for a little while, and nice. I'll make sure that I get something to eat. I'll go walk the dogs. I'll I'll sit down. Right now, I'm power watching Roseanne. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, but I'll sit down and I'll watch an episode or two episodes. I just I just stop, and then you know I'll take care of something around the house, and then but you know what? Then I'll get back into it again. And I just, and I am, and, and I'm very effective. And it's funny because people are like, how the hell do you do everything? I was like, well, first off, I, I don't have children like jumping on my head, which, you know, like you said, you got an eight-year-old and I know you have a little girl too, but, um, you know, so I, I have the benefit of that, but, you know, that's my world, you know, so, but I am very effective at getting what needs to be done, you know, because I write down what I need to be done, what needs to be done. I focus on things that only move my business forward, but yet I... I, man, when I, when I feel like I'm hitting a wall, I don't, there are times when it's okay to punch through, 
but make sure that when you're trying to punch through, you get the necessary downtime. I, I do not right. work on the weekends anymore. Nice. Yeah, and yeah. I for sure don't work on Sundays, but. Right, and that's something that I've tried to do too, is, is really set those boundaries intentionally, specifically for the weekend. I mean, I try to do it as much as I can during the weekdays, like, hey, the yeah. end of the day, the work day is the end of the work day. But I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it too, is, is trying to like set up the foundation for my business down the, down the road. And I mm-hmm. do that after hours or I do that very early in the morning before I wake up. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a part of me that's almost at times not practicing what I, <laughs> what I <laughs> preach, but the days that I am able to kind of just end <clears throat> the work day, I, I feel you know better uh, physically. I feel better mentally. And then the weekends that that's untouchable. Like that's time for me. Right. That's time for my family. Right. Uh, like if people are like, Hey, let's, let's do a, let's do a meeting on the weekend or a phone call. And I'm like, no, that's no, no, that's, that's mine. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to have your own time. I mean, mm-hmm. you absolutely yeah. have to have your own time and, and, you know, this is all surrounding the mindfulness concept. Now I'm going to tell you something. You're going to laugh when I tell you this because <laughs> you know me well, <laughs> um, I have tried meditation and you know what happens to me every time I meditate? Your mind wanders. No, I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I can't meditate. So so I have tried it so many times. I literally fall asleep sitting up and I'm just like, oh, this is not working. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a sign right there, Brenda. You, you, you need to take, take some more time off. I mean, you're, you're overworked, uh, yeah. probably uh, sleep deprived. But uh, that that has you know pe- people do complain about that people complain about their their mind racing they they can't stop thinking well that's not what meditation is no um, the first off the the sleep piece um, you can actually restore your brain um, at a, at a higher rate recover at a higher rate from meditation than than you can at, from sleep however our bodies obviously physiologically need some level of sleep so you know the, the goal is eight or nine hours depending on what your body personally needs and then if you're getting much less than that yeah you're going you probably are going to fall asleep when you're meditating because it is very relaxing yep. but it's also it is work you know people are like hey well my my mind is wandering and there's no way i can meditate well that's that's not the goal of meditation meditation is not clearing your mind of everything it's not shutting down your mind meditation is focusing on an anchor, focusing on your breathing, focusing on, um, you you know, some of one sensation in your mind or sorry, in your body and, and being very focused on that. And, um, if, if thoughts come in, because they're going to, we're human, we call it the monkey mind. Your Mm -hmm. mind bounces from one idea to the next or starts planning the day. Well, if you notice that, that in and of itself, you're noticing that you're thinking then that is being mindful and then you just bring it back you're like okay i was making my task list in my mind of the 10 things that i wanted to get accomplished this morning okay got it i note i note that my mind wandered over there now bring it back gently to the breathing and Mm -hmm. that's your new that's your anchor you reset you start thinking about you know the, the coolness of the the air coming into your nose and maybe the warmth of it coming out of either your mouth or nose, depending on how you meditate. Um, and that's another thing. People are like, okay, well, meditation, I have to sit there and, you know, 
Om, om. Well, no, that's that's not. I mean, that's not meditation. I mean, that is a form of it. Some people practice it that way, and nothing against that. But you can practice meditation standing up. You can mm-hmm. practice meditation laying down. You can you can do walking meditation as long as you're like truly focused on the task at hand. And that's kind of what the coming back full circle <clears throat> to my saying that meditation is work. It's a task, and you have mm-hmm. to be focused on it. Yep. And, you know, as your mind wanders, bring, bring you back to that task at hand. So even if you do it for five minutes, it's amazing how you snap out of where you were. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there are times where I so periodically I'll share this with you guys periodically. Um, I'll I have Alexa in the house. And so um, I'll use binaural beats meditation to yeah. fall asleep at night. Nice. And I don't do it very often because <clears throat> I, it's, you know, I get enough sleep now. I, I, I can regulate more of my schedule uh, compared to what I, you know, where I was before all this. But, um, but I'll use binaural beats meditation, and I, I know I, spe- I specifically respond well to the delta waves. Yeah. <clears throat> and nice. um, yeah. So. I love but Alexa it's, for that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really funny because with binaural beats and and what I listen to is that it the way this particular series of music seems to work for me is that, you know, you'll have the soothing energy. And then as you start to, you know, enter into your various sleep stages, the music tends to get really super low. And then it just Mm kind of like comes back with this really loud sound. So Alexa is really great when you just tell her to shut up and she's (laughs) like, because she just woke you up. (laughs) But, but it's easy, but you recognize that, you know, when I listened to it consciously, when I was awake and I was wondering how far into, I mean, I got 30 minutes in before I told her to stop. So, nice. yeah. So, you know, doing things like that certainly yeah, helps condition exactly. yourself as well. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is very cool. So, yeah. So if, if I could, mm-hmm. I, I want to kind of touch on, you know, some of the other benefits because I know if you've got your HR folks listening or mm-hmm. bosses listening, uh, they're like, okay, that's great. I want to implement mindfulness and meditation uh, and, and kind of increase my employees' productivity. Um, some of the, I, I also want to talk about some of the other kind of benefits of med- meditation and mindfulness because so people, if, even if they are not offered the opportunity to practice it at work, you know, maybe they can start practicing it for other reasons personally, and then it would have positive effects on them at work. Um, if you don't mind my kind of going down that little rabbit hole go and for it. coming back full circle. So yeah, go know, for it. Um, this, this is what kind of sold me on it. When I told you about the counselor that mentioned it to me, I was like, uh, you know, I'm a big tough guy. I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to touch on this flowery stuff. I know med- <laughs> meditation is a snake oil, right? It doesn't actually work. Well, I've been practicing it now and I, I, I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm sold on it. But the reason that I even took him up, took this counselor up firsthand is that he mentioned the science behind it. And then I kind of touched on it earlier, but then he went into, okay, well, here's the benefits on it besides just, you know, dealing with stress and anxiety and depression. He mentioned that it, you know, it can help with addictions um, because you're, when you're doing uh, mindfulness, you're kind of helping set up new neural pathways. Well, that's all an addiction is. It's really a, a strong, yes. a very strong neural pathway. Well, yes. if you can try to 
suspend that that addiction, um, then you know that it's basically an extreme habit. If you can kind of work on meditation and focus on that, you can it can help with addictions. Um, it's been shown to um, improve depth of sleep. So if you're falling asleep meditating, maybe you need to meditate so that you can improve <laughs> your depths of depth of sleep and kind of get into a, a deeper REM sleep. Um, it can help with insomnia. Uh, it helps with sex drive. I know this is an HR discussion, so I won't go too far into that. But yeah. it, it Thank drive. you. Yeah. I do um, not want to change this episode to explicit. <laughs> yeah. Um, helps with the immune system. Helps with aging. Um, uh, obviously, it, like I mentioned earlier, it helps us to respond rather than react. So ultimately, it could be safer. So you're you're not making these emotionally charged decisions um in traffic or in life-threatening situations road um, rage it, yeah exactly i mean and i i used to be a crazy road rager and now as i'm as i'm driving to work uh, <laughs> one i'm, I'm listening to I'm, I'm listening to good podcasts like yours i listen yeah. to uh you know 10 percent happier with dan harris some of these other podcasts and i and and i'm also trying to be mindful about the experiences that I'm like feeling as I'm driving to and from work. But anyway, it, uh, coming back, it, it does help with that kind of stress helps with the immune system. Um, you know, it, it, it increases the level of the disease fighting cells that we have decreases inflammation. So all that. So it helps you not just mentally, but it physically helps you. And that is obviously going to make you a happier and healthier worker be so for those bosses and hr reps that are hearing this and like hey you know what we don't really necessarily want to implement um this or we can't afford to take the time out of the day to implement this during the workday. well maybe you can encourage your people to do it on their own outside of work and they're going to be happier and healthier worker bees and more productive in the office so that's my uh, my additional two cents for implementing meditation and mindfulness that's fantastic. Well, listen, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. This has been phenomenal. I think this is awesome. this is really good stuff, and I think this is what <clears throat> everybody's looking for, but they just don't always know what words to put in to look for it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, so how can people find you? So, if they want to engage in finding different ways that they can implement programs like this, um, you know, how they can explore mindfulness in the workplace as employers, um, how how can people find you? Sure, I'm uh, I'm an avid user of LinkedIn. Uh, John McCaskill. It's just J O N McCaskill is M A C A S K I L L. I'm on there. Uh, quite often. And then I've got um, a company that I'm starting is just McCaskill Consulting. And uh, that's also on LinkedIn. And uh, my email is john, J-O-N, McCaskill, M-A-C-A-S-K-I-L-L, at McCaskillConsulting.com. That is awesome. So when you get some cool programs up and running, would you be willing to come back and share more with us? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It'd be an honor and a, a privilege. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm really thrilled that you were able to join us. This is exciting stuff, and and it's neat to watch you move forward in this in this way as well. So, well, thank you so much so for having me, Brenda. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh my gosh, thank you.
I'm here to help you find your gold standard in human capital management, help you solve complex problems that come with employment and managing your people, and help keep you in the know on current or developing changes in the employment landscape. Now I've introduced you in past episodes a question and answer segment and I would love to hear your questions you have about human resources and you can submit your questions on the bestpractices.org website by clicking on the podcast link from the menu down below towards the bottom of the podcast page. There's a submission form for you to post your question which I may read and answer on an upcoming episode. Now I kind of did a little shift on you guys. I moved the Q&A up because I was answering questions on Quora so we did that and as the segment's hot topic. So, um, but would definitely love to hear from you guys. I really like what you guys have to say. Um, we've had some engaging conversations lately, some engaging online content. So, uh, don't be shy. I definitely, let's get into the discussion that because that's how we grow. So, what if there was a way you could tap into answers to really difficult questions like the ones that you heard earlier in the episode when we were talking about arrests and convictions? I was really fortunate early in my HR career to have exposure to some really talented leaders. Many times I just sat and soaked in the information they shared, the decisions that they made, or how they went about making them, and why they made them, and how they did address them. I consider myself to be extremely fortunate to have been part of something amazing like that, and I'm offering you a similar opportunity. Recently, I started answering questions on Quora.com, Q-U-O-R-A, and I certainly invite you to go ahead and follow me there, um, posting one probably every day. Uh, That's basically what it's been lately, but I really look forward to that, and there's some really good questions out there that people want to know the answers to, so definitely check me out on Quora, quora Quora.com, and then you can just uh, search for me by my name. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Best Practices in HR. And I really, really appreciate uh, taking time to answer those questions and definitely keep them coming in for the show as well. And as promised earlier in the show today, we have a free resource for you, and we're continuing to provide you with the Strikeforce Energy Drink Bonus Offering. Now, I mention Strikeforce Energy Drinks regularly in these podcast episodes, and I'm going to continue to give you the opportunity to save some money while you kick the can to other energy drinks in the market. Strikeforce Energy is a sugar-free, no-calorie, healthier alternative to other energy drinks in the market. You can choose from their individual packets or their pump bottles found in four different flavors. And if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know that grape is my favorite. So visit StrikeforceEnergy.com and enter the new and updated code AFLBRENDA455. That's A as in Alpha, F as in Foxtrot, L as in Lima, my first name, Brenda455, to receive 20% off the retail price of Strikeforce. You can also find more information about Strikeforce on our affiliates page at bestpractices.org. And lastly, I have a free gift I'd like to give you. I personally know how confusing it is to keep track of all the compliance deadlines required in this field, as well as how and when to find the time to engage in all of the other proactive HR pieces that we have in our in our arsenal. And I've created an HR calendar for 2019 that lists all the compliance deadlines to relieve that tension of having to figure these things out for yourself. The calendar includes mandatory filing deadlines, nationally recognized holidays, as well as a few best practice recommendations sprinkled in. It's a bunch of compliance information consolidated under one page. Print it out, pin it up, put it in your office, and use it as a tool to help you keep all of the parts and pieces of the HR puzzle connected. To download this free tool, visit the website at bestpractices.org and click on the link at the bottom of the page. 
And that is all the time we have today. And if you liked what you heard today, you know you need to stay up on important changes and continue to get advice on how to work with them. Then visit bestpractices.org, click subscribe, and sign up today to have my best practices delivered to your inbox. And we're going to go ahead and close with the quote of the episode, and I really like this one. This was by Samuel Jackson. Courage is the greatest of all virtues, because if you haven't courage, you may not have an opportunity to use any of the others. Thank you folks for listening, and I'll talk to you again real soon. Take care.